Hello, and welcome to season two of Between Two Term Sheets, where we meet with prominent investors, founders, venture builders, and accelerators to discuss early stage funding in the high technology space. Our host is Owen Matthews, founder, CEO, serial investor, and chairman of Alacrity Canada. Welcome to another episode of Between Two Term Sheets. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have a special guest today, Jason. Jason, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Very, very well. You're uh, you're calling us out of uh, out of Kelowna today. Kelowna, British Columbia. All right, hotbed of technology because of of guys like you. We're working hard. It's uh, it's really evolving out here. We're pretty happy. Yeah, Accelerate Okanagan. We have to do a little shout out for them and uh, and MetaBridge. Uh, great event. Yeah, and actually, just last night we had our inaugural Okanagan uh, Tech Angel Summit. So we've got a group of 25 investors moving through a 12-week process. I think we have 40 companies that have submitted. And at the end, it's $100,000 that we're going to be investing in a local company. That's great. And yeah, that's, that's the first one? Cool initiatives popping up all over the place up here. All right. Well, thanks uh, Thanks for taking the time today. Do me a favor. Take some time. Introduce yourself. And um, more than anything, let's talk about the ride of, of the successful company that, uh, that you founded and built as an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, so um, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. Um, like my family, second, third generation entrepreneur. Uh, never really wanted to work for anybody else. I've had a series of different, uh, you know, failed ventures. Or, is that because nobody know, would oh, hire you? Is that is that? Yeah, the smart people would. Um, <laughs> a series of failed ventures, uh, kind of unfocused, and uh, got into digital media and technology about ten years ago. Um, had kind of a solo venture there that I didn't really like to grow. It was kind of a lifestyle business. And then about five years ago, co-founded a company called Straw House uh, with my co-founder, Naveed Ramada. And uh, that business is focused on uh, customer acquisition for uh, digitally native, uh, vertically integrated companies. So consumer brands born online, and we uh, deploy capital, um, technology, and uh creative resources to be able to grow those businesses, but we de-risk them in the process. So it's a pretty innovative business model. We were able to grow that within, I think, three years to something like $70 million in revenue, and it's been uh, kind of a wild ride. That uh, has to be one hell of an experience, and uh, you know, when you've been working away for years, and you know what it's like to have a lifestyle business or a you know, quote-unquote successful business, and then you get on a rocket ship like that, yeah, you, you just really kind of strap your seat, yourself into the seat and uh, hold on. Um, but it's what I found really amazing when I look back at it is just how quickly that becomes your new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you, you you adjust and adapt into situations that you would never have really been able to predict or see yourself in, and uh, you roll with it and you grow and you learn and you continue to push yourself forward. And uh, hiring tons of people must have been uh, interesting. You know, you can the ch- culture of a of a small business can change pretty quick when you when you start cramming lots of people into it. Yeah, we definitely saw that happen. Um, you know, we were um, pretty successful with a pretty tight team of about six, and then we started growing. We grew to a little bit over forty. Um, you know, within I think ten months, and we recruited almost exclusively from our local area, which involved a lot of like recent grads, people with little experience. So not only were we adding bodies to the team, but we were, had to incorporate a lot of like education and training and, uh, our, you know, average,
average age was, you know, pretty, ended up being pretty low for whatever reason. It was, there was a point where I was kind of sitting back and you could kind of see the culture starts to kind of like, starts to take on a life of its own. And then you need to kind of, you know, start shaping it and directing it in the direction that you want it to go. Anybody that tunes into this show knows that I'm a huge advocate for culture and the importance of culture. And it's, and it's hard to do when you grow that quickly. Yeah. You really have to really set what, what the kind of core tenement that you like, that you stand for, you know, what does the company stand for? What does everybody need to really hold internally um, as a belief? Um, you know, and like in our organization where we make data driven decisions, but you know, we, we were this kind of marriage of, of data and technology and creative so being able to appropriately, you know, and equally value all those things and everyone's opinions was you know, a little bit challenging to, to kind of create. Congratulations. That's, that's, that's an amazing success. And, you know, pretty, pretty unusual, both in a place like Kelowna, uh, but uh, a standout for all of Canada. Great job. Now, uh, in that, you, you must have learned a few lessons. Uh, and a lot of the people, uh, you know, tuning in to, to our podcast, you know, it's, it's, it's about fundraising. So, um, so tell me if you're uh, if you've got some advice to give to entrepreneurs who are pitching to investors. You know, you know what to do, what to avoid doing. You know, uh, the, the 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 scars from uh, you know from from lessons learned. Um, you know what 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 would you uh, what would you convey to uh, to an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think maybe I have a unique perspective on this because um, you know Straw House we bootstrapped. And we were able to grow, um, you know, without external investment. But uh, about a year ago, I founded a new company, a technology, you know, software company called Uncoil, and I raised some an angel round for that business. And additionally, I've been doing some angel investing of my own, um, so I can look at it from the investor perspective, but also from um, you know the, the founder perspective. Um, on the founding side, I think that um, you know, based on uh, my you know track record and historical success it was probably easier to raise that capital than someone who didn't have the benefit of, you know, a win under the belt. Um, but I think that partially disadvantaged me because I didn't need to learn a couple of things early on. And uh, it was actually only recently was I able to kind of like get that perspective. So I would, I would generally call myself a pretty humble guy and don't think, don't think that I'm too ego driven. Although, um, maybe I am, uh, but uh, you, this technology company that we started, it's been, I've had a vision around this for maybe the last six or seven years. And I've thought a lot about it, about how it should look and how it should meet the market and how it should function. And I'm really deep inside the product. And when pitching it to more venture-oriented investors, what I didn't realize that I was doing is that I was um, not doing a great job explaining the kind of short, simple, strategic, anyone could understand the value of that venture, of, of, of the company. I was kind of like getting into like the, the shit that it does and why, you know, I know enough to make it the thing. And I had like the kind of this ego component wrapped up in it that I didn't even realize was happening. And so when I was trying to explain the, the market value and the opportunity, it wasn't really clear to many venture investors, you know, what that was. I mean, they, they saw my track record, they could see like, okay, this is a kind of interesting space, but I wasn't, you know, really, really boiling it down into a way, I wasn't thinking about it from their perspective. I wasn't like really deploying a high level of empathy around what they wanted. I was trying to convince them that it was a good idea. 
And I think that that's not the right approach. Um, you know, you need to be able to kind of, you know, check your ego at the door and park what it is that you know and assume that whoever you're talking to really doesn't know anything. And you need to, in as few words as possible, help them understand why what you're doing is important. Yeah, that's a um, very, very important lesson. I mean, I, I see so many entrepreneurs, they want to convey how much they know. And conveying how much you know doesn't necessarily convince the investor that, that they're going to make a lot of money. They're trying to understand, you know, the the disruption in the market, the place that you might play in that market, and you know your your potential for success within it. You know, and obviously there's a lot of trust that needs to occur. Uh, you know, obviously with the with you know founders or or with the management team, but there is certainly you know these are long and deep detail on how it all works. It is generally you know above the head of of an investor, uh, and it's not what they focus on. It's not why they're they're in their position. Yeah, and, and you get that in the due diligence process, you know, afterward or, you know, as you move forward with the deal anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's a different set of criteria that as a founder that you're evaluating yourself and your product and your business on versus what a, a potential venture investor is evaluating you on. And it would suit anybody who's seeking investment well to really consider what uh, what is a venture investor trying to do? What are their goals? How are they looking at things? And to ensure that you're thinking about your business in the same way so that you can effectively communicate to them how you're going to help them achieve their goals. Yeah, and you've got a short period of time as, an, as a venture investor to achieve an exit. I mean, most venture investors are in six, seven-year funds. You know, you've got a, you know, you're typically a few years into your fund before you're deploying capital. So you've got four years to, to get in and get out of the company. Uh, so, you know, that's a pretty short period of time. So you have to be thinking about the exit opportunity at the very beginning of the conversation with the, with the company. Uh, and that's, uh, you have to have, you know, alignment, you have to, you know, uh, have a willingness as a management team or a founder to grow quickly and, and work towards, you know, a high value exit. And that's the way they think. And they want you to take risk and grow quickly because they need you to. Yeah. I think that that's really key. Um, as far as like ensuring that the vision for your product company business, you know, it is, um, you know, broad enough and big enough to be able to, to really capture the interest of a venture investor. If you're talking about how your company could, you know, sell for 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars or be a little player in a little market. I mean, the return that a venture investor needs to see, you know, isn't commensurate usually with those kinds of opportunities. Usually they want to say, Hey, like, how is this like a, a hundred million billion a billion dollar opportunity um, because those are the bets that they're placing. You know, they in order for them to be successful in what they're doing, they need to have a certain sized exit or a return. So again, it's like you know having empathy to kind of consider what the what the goals of the fund or the goals of the investor are or what their thesis is and how you align with that. Yeah, and how quickly you can deploy capital to get there, right? Exactly. You know, yeah, they they want to give you more money to get there more quickly because that's what the basis of their model is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas, you know, as, as, you know, founders and entrepreneurs, you know, we, we think about growing our business fundamentals. How do we survive if we don't get their money? Uh, how do we, how do we operate, you know, thinking about cash flow and, you know, all the aspects of building a sustainable business is very, very different from, uh, you know, a venture model where you're, you know, pouring fuel on the fire and it absolutely makes sense to pour fuel on the fire when you know it's working, uh, but it's that balance between 
you know, we're ready to take the money and pour the fuel on the fire. And that's the direction the business is going to go. Uh, as opposed to, you know, the, the, you know, founder bootstrap where you're looking at it and going, okay, how can I make this grow? How can I make this work with what I've got? Um, you know, it's, it, it, it takes a, it takes a shift and it, it's got to be in, in your pitch. You have to be clear, like we're ready to make this shift and, and we're ready to grow and, and, uh, and be a venture business. Yeah, absolutely. And like a, uh, any good, um, you know, venture investor is going to, you know, smell that all over a founder and they're going to understand and say, you know, you're not there. Um, you're not looking at this in a way that's strategic. That's going to be this big play or how you can really appropriately deploy this money to grow this thing rapidly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just, you really got to like, like an own conversation to understand, are you aligned with what those goals are? And, yeah. or if you're not, how can you get there? Um, both in terms of plan and vision. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, that, that is, uh, especially for, for uh, a successful guy like yourself to, uh, to come into raising money and, and, uh, and realize those, those lessons, you know, it, it happens to all of us. And, yeah. And, uh, you know. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm super happy that I learned it. Um, you know, it was going to be one of those things you learn sooner or later. Um, yeah. I've done things a little bit out of order, but, uh, it was, it was, I'm really thankful for it. I'm grateful. Well, you know, what, what matters is, is the track record of success first and foremost. And, uh, and, and learning how to, uh, learning how to raise money coming afterwards. That's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you yourself have made, uh, made the transition from, uh, you know, a, an entrepreneur to an investor. I know you're, you're, you're doing a few investments yourself now. Tell me about that shift because you're, you're a little bit uh, on the other side of the table now. Yeah, no, it's been really great. I think I've deployed, um, several, seven angel investments last year. I think they're all within British Columbia. And, um, you know, it's been really great. Um, so I like uh, early stage technology and, um, you know, I like thinking about the future and seeing how some of these ventures can really change how certain industries function um, that are dis disruptive. And then, you know, others are more aligned with how can I uh, contribute with both capital and, um, you know, my kind of, of vocational expertise in marketing to be able to really pour fuel on the fire. Yeah. So how, how do you evaluate uh, companies now when, when you look at them, what, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're on the other side of the table. So, so, you know, it's not typical of an angel and certainly a, an entrepreneur to be as hard nosed about kind of the venture model. Uh, so I, I don't think you're going in there and saying, you know, where's my billion dollar company, but uh, you must look at things differently now. Yeah. You know, um, so much of it is, you know, I've, I've gone down this path and knowing how hard it is and the challenges that you face and the kind of strength of character that you need to have and the, the, the grit or resolve that you need to have in order to be able to push through when things are challenging. Um, a lot of my criteria really focuses on the, on the founder and, you know, ensuring that they have enough skin in the game that it makes sense for me to, you know, really back them because, you know, what I'm doing, what you're doing, you're really investing in a person. Um, and, you know, the idea is important and the market opportunity is important, but I, I, you know, really ask myself, is this the person who has the ability to, you know, grow? Are they coachable? Are they going to do everything required to be able to get to where they need to be? Or are they really just kind of like an, an inventor or someone with an idea or a product that doesn't really know how complicated or how hard it's going to become? Yeah, it, 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 it's so nice to be in a position of helping people out as an investor and you and guiding them to success and participating in that success. I know that's, uh, that's one of the great pleasures in my life is, is helping people, uh, succeed and, but they have to have a legitimate, you know, it, it can't be ego driven where they want to be a CEO or, 
or they, they, you know, just sort of want to see their idea come to fruition. It really has to be focused on a business. And, yeah. uh, and, and the idea changes depending on what you learn as you go along. And, yeah, uh, you, you know, you have to be committed to a successful business. Yeah, you have to be comfortable with change. And uh, it's interesting. I, mean, I know I've invested in some people and then that, that ego stuff um, maybe starts to materialize more once kind of success success starts to happen. It's interesting watching that all go down. And, and, you know, just to echo your sentiment there, like I do find I get like way more enjoyment out of helping uh, kind of coach and guide, um, you know, the founders and portfolio companies that I have now than I really thought that I would. It's been really awesome. It's a great feeling for me anyway. It's a great joy in my life uh, to help people. And many of them, I, you know, companies, it, you, you can tell that I'm excited about it or that, uh, that I like what I do when I'm helping out, you know, entrepreneurs that I haven't even invested in, you know, yeah, and, and, and I know, I know you're, you're, you're right in there uh, trying to help people out as well. Yeah. Well, and, and to that point, just, uh, you know, not pumping your tires, but thanks for uh, the help that you provided us over the years. I appreciate it. I, I just make stuff up. Uh, I, I, if, if it was if it was beneficial advice, it's it's, just, it's pure it's pure luck, Jason. Uh, well, but I mean, like, but that's the secret, Owen. I mean, that's all this shit is. We're all just making shit up, right? <laughs> We're all just making shit up, and it's like, does it work? Yep, it worked. Great, let's do it. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things where you like, uh, you know, when I was when you're looking at like, especially through the lens of social media, and you're looking at all these other founders and successful entrepreneurs, and it, you know, there's a lot of you know, doubt that people kind of sow for themselves and they say, Hey, does this person have something that I don't, you know, what's the secret, you know, like, what, do I have all the answers? And like most people are kind of like fucking their way up to success at some level. Um, you know, like, you know, some things, you know, um, and you acquire wisdom as you move forward. Um, but yeah, well, I'll, I will say don't be too committed to plan A because you know, plan A never works anyway. So, so pay attention and move on to plan B quickly <laughs> based yeah. on uh, reasonable evidence. And yeah. uh, my, my father always used to say, if you can accept the worst outcome, then you can go for the best. So yeah. if you take the like risk that. and you can accept that you can live with the failure, then take the risk and go for the best. Yeah, I'm actually um, just picked up this book recently called uh, How to Fight a Hydra. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like a little pocket book. It's pretty awesome. It's basically uh, it's a little uh, kind of allegory for you know entrepreneurship and founding a company, but set around like, you know, fighting a dragon basically. Um, and I think anybody who's an you know, early stage founder, um, it's worth a read. You know what? I appreciate the plug. I mean, I wrote that a few years ago. And- <laughs> <laughs> my pen name, quick, look it up. What, what's, what was that? Who wrote that again? <laughs> yeah. It's not, so why you're wearing the medieval mask right now. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else, any other advice you want to provide? Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, yeah. and before we wrap it up, um, you know, what else, uh, what else do you think you could share other yeah, than I like move to Kelowna? Kelowna? It's great. We all love yeah. BC. Come to Kelowna. It's an awesome time. There's some cool shit happening up here. I think, uh, just a quick plug for like, you know, kind of founder mental health. It's, uh, this shit's hard. And a lot of times when you're running a company, um, you're kind of in it alone. You can't really talk. You can't talk to your employees. You know, sometimes your family, your friends, they don't understand, and um, there can be a lot of pressure put on on uh, on you, and you need to be able to find ways to um, kind of manage that, cope with that. You know, uh, talk to people you need to talk to, um, take up meditation, something. But have some sort of practice around um, checking in with yourself and ensuring that you're good, um, because you know you're the person who needs to get it done. And I understand that it's not a well-worn path. You're breaking new ground by definition, and therefore it's fraught with failure, and failure is normal. 
and it's okay. And yep. failure, failure is learning, so you can continue to success. So if, if failure is normal, don't beat yourself up about it. It's hard. You're doing something important. Uh, you can brush yourself off and do it again. Um, you know, you can't, you can't expect overnight success just because you hear about other people who, who have happened to have had that. Um, you know, as you say, you know, your story is, is an example of that. You kind of had, you know, three or four shots at, at, you know, trying to make something work and, and those three or four shots trying to make it work, you know, led to a very successful company. Uh, it just doesn't happen overnight and you can't beat yourself up for, uh, for, for not making it happen. Yeah. Not beating yourself up. I mean, you know, you got to be kind to yourself and you have to have a, a, some sort of practice around being kind to yourself and not, or else you can, if you focus on those failures and you focus on how you're fucked up, I mean, it's just going to build this negative loop that you're going to have a hard time coming out of. So that's a, I think a really, really good advice. One. Yeah. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us. It's great to talk to you again. Okay, cheers. That's it for today's show. You've been listening to Between Two Term Sheets. Our show is hosted by Owen Matthews, produced by Anya Vasotska, and brought to you by Alacrity Canada. Head to alacritycanada.com to find out more about Alacrity and our other initiatives. You can find more episodes of Between Two Term Sheets for free wherever you listen to podcasts.